You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Hello and welcome to Security Unlocked, a new podcast from Microsoft where we unlock insights from the latest in news and research from across Microsoft's security engineering and operations teams. I'm Nick Fillingham. And I'm Natalia Gadilla. In each episode, we'll discuss the latest stories from Microsoft security, deep dive into the newest threat intel, research, and data science. And profile some of the fascinating people working on artificial intelligence in Microsoft security. And now, let's unlock the pod. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 31 of Security Unlocked. Natalia, hello to you. Welcome. Hello, Nick. Happy to be here. Uh, What do we have on the docket for today? Today, we have Will Pierce joining us. Will Pierce is the AI red team lead inside the Azure Trustworthy Machine Learning Group. Eager listeners of the podcast might recognize Will's name from a couple of episodes back where we had Ramshankar Sivakumar come on the podcast and mentioned Will a few times. Will is here to talk to us today about a blog post that he co-authored with Ramshankar Sivakumar on May 3rd, discussing the announcement of a new AI security risk assessment tool called Counterfeit. And this is a great conversation, a sort of fascinating project here. And his job is about trying to break into our AI systems and compromise them in order to sort of make them make them safer, make them better. And so we're going to say that word. We're going to say this word red teaming quite a bit in the interview. And for those that may not be super familiar with the concept, we thought we might just sort of revisit it. Natalia, you've, you've got a good definition there. Walk, walk us through what does red teaming mean? So red teaming originated in the military as a way to test strategies by posing as an external force. The U.S. force would be the blue team, the defenders, and the red team would be someone that is trying to infiltrate the United States. And that same concept is now applied to security. So red teaming is that training exercise to determine where are the gaps in your security strategy. Right. And so in this context here, with regards to the counterfeit tool, Will just had a bunch of scripts that he had built himself just to sort of do his job. These are scripts he built for himself. And then at some point, Will talks about in the interview how he decided to pull them together into a toolkit and create a sort of an open source project that's now available up on GitHub so that other AI red team folks, uh, really anyone who's out there trying to make AI systems more secure through red teaming can benefit from the work that Will's done. Natalia, some of the things that Counterfeit can do, obviously we'll hear from Will in just a second, but what's your summary? I mean, there are so many different ways you can use this tool for offensive security. So you you can pen test and red team AI systems using counterfeit. You can do vulnerability scanning, and you can also log for AI systems. So collect that telemetry to improve your understanding of the different failure modes in AI systems. Well, this is a great conversation with Will Pierce. I think you'll all enjoy it. On with the pod. On with the pod. Today, we are joined by Will Pierce, an AI red team lead from the Azure Trustworthy ML Group, to talk about a blog post called AI Security Risk Assessment Using Counterfeit. Welcome to the show, Will. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, we're really excited to talk about Counterfeit. And I think it'd be great to start with a little bit of an intro. So could you share who you are, what your day-to-day is at Microsoft? Yeah. Yeah. As you mentioned, Will Pierce, I'm the Red Team Lead for the Azure Trustworthy Machine Learning Team. My day-to-day is 
attacking machine learning inside Microsoft. So building tools, doing research, and going after machine learning models wherever they live inside Microsoft. And Counterfeit is a tool that helps with that, correct? Could you share what Counterfeit is? Yep. Yeah. So Counterfeit is a command line application that helps me automate these assessments. So there's sort of a lot of data processing that can go into them. And it was taking a lot of time. And so I sort of built this command line application to take care of it. I come from the ops world. So traditional red teaming, you know, where you kind of hack networks. And so sort of the command line interface, that malware interface is what I was used to. But in the machine learning world, a lot of the tools are libraries. They're not, so they're not really readily available for you to automate things. And so I just kind of married the two together. It basically wraps existing frameworks. Will, I'd love to step back just a smidge here. So you are the AI red team lead. Tell us about AI red teaming or AI ML red teaming. How does that differ from sort of traditional SecOps red teaming? In a lot of ways, it doesn't. Machine learning is a new sort of attack surface that is coming up. Like as businesses integrate machine learning into all kinds of things, the security of machine learning hasn't really been paid attention to. But, you know, machine learning is part of a larger system. It's still an information asset. It's still the model files exist on a server. They're put into websites, all the normal stuff. And so a lot of those skills transfer, you know, one-to-one. The difference being is having that that knowledge of how machine learning algorithms work, how you can bend them, how you can alter your inputs to get the outputs that you want. And a lot of it, a lot of the attacks are really just kind of engineering to get to that point. And the types of specialists that you have on an AI red team versus, again, a sort of a, sort of more, more generalist uh, SecOps red team, do you have data scientists and do you have other statisticians and other folks that maybe have a different set of skills? Yep, absolutely. So we have a couple of members on the team that are extremely experienced data scientists and ML engineers. So basically, blending of those skill sets, you know, where I don't have that formal background, but I do understand how sort of attacks work and, you know, how to run an op. They understand how the algorithm works at a, a very deep level. And so we, we have a lot of fun going back and forth brainstorming ideas. So bringing this back to the counterfeit project, how did the counterfeit project evolve? As I understand it, it started as a group of attack scripts and and now it's an automated tool. So what did that process of evolution look like? So earlier I mentioned all these things are libraries and mm-hmm. you know, I've been at Microsoft for nine months-ish and coming from that ops role, it just wasn't scalable. So to write a script for every attack that you wanted to do Mm -hmm. isn't scalable. So the first thing, just natural to want that tool, that malware type interface, was to build, was to wrap these into a single tool that you could run any attack script that you wanted in in an automated fashion. That was it. It It was just a need for an automated tool for my own purposes. And it kind of evolved into this just be told, I didn't necessarily think it was going to be as popular as it was. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it because I needed it, not because, you know, we wanted to release it. But it has kind of taken on a life of its own at, at this point, where, you know, I don't do more bug fixes than I do attacks. But I could see in the not too distant future, we would need a dev to like 
take care of the day-to-day maintenance of it or, you know, build in whatever features we wanted for it. And did nothing exist here in this space, Will? Was there, was there nothing that allowed for the automation of, of the work that you were doing and that's why you sort of built it? Or did something exist, but the modifications that would have been necessary to meet your needs would have been sort of too laborious? I shouldn't say nothing existed because I don't, there was nothing that, you know, for example, data types, right? Like you have text images, numpy or, or arrays of numbers, things like that. A lot of the tools only focus on one of those data types or two, let's say, right? But there's a wide variety of models at Microsoft that I need to test. And so having something that can do text, audio, image, any arbitrary data type is extremely valuable. And that was sort of the first step. It was just having a need. I didn't want to use five different tools. You know, I wanted to use one. And so that was kind of the the driver for me to build it. And I noticed, uh, Will, that it's, it's been published through GitHub. So is the intent here for it to be a true sort of community initiative, community project, and, and have contributors and, and sort of a, a vibrant community? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the plan. Hiram will tell you, I'm not the best data scientist. So this is the blending of offensive security and machine learning, right, and data science. And so there are just conventions in the data science world that I'm not familiar with. Similarly, there are conventions in the offensive security world that data scientists aren't familiar with. So I'm hoping this counterfeit becomes a metasploit of sorts for these machine learning algorithms where people feel welcome to submit new research um, and to really become a platform for the conversation between machine learners and security people to evolve, start to understand each other and what matters to the other. And are you also continuously updating the tool? So as you learn more adversarial attacks against AI, will you be feeding that into the product? And what does that process look like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it exists on algorithms, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Attack algorithms. So an algorithm basically iterates on an input in a particular way, right? And that's how it you kind of create that output that you want. So there's that piece is just creating new algorithms that will do whatever we think is useful for the particular task. But there's also things like a web interface that would be extremely nice for some users or, you know, just some niceties that aren't built in yet. It's still somewhat difficult to look at the results of a scan or the samples of a scan. And so there, so some of those things still need to be built in. But yeah, that's kind of the plan is to build any, you know, someone could submit a feature request tomorrow and we would probably build it the next day just because we're excited to see what people do with it and what they care about with it. So Will, if we could jump forward into, I think, the three core functions or the three use cases of this tool as they're sort of listed out in the blog here for those that have read the blog post. So the first one is listed out as penetration testing and red teaming AI systems. And, and the, the tool here is preloaded with published attack algorithms, which can be used to, to test out evading and, and stealing AI models. We've had 
a bunch of your colleagues uh, and peers on the podcast before. So we've learned a little bit on the podcast here about adversarial ML. We know that it's sort of a new frontier. We know that the vast majority of organizations out there don't have anything in place to protect their AI systems. Can you tell us a bit about this first scenario here? So evading and stealing AI models, what does that sort of look like in a hypothetical sense or in the real world? And then how do we use this tool to sort of test against it? So I should go, I'm going to go backwards a little bit in your question. So you you mentioned that organizations don't have the tools to protect these systems. Right. That's only partly true. Only because machine learning, the model itself is a very small part of that whole system. But there's a very mature information security presence around principles of least privilege, setting up servers, deploying endpoints, like we know exactly there are very mature security processes that can already be attached to these things. The difference is because machine learning people aren't queued in to this, the security apparatus at a higher level, they're not aware that these things exist, right? So you're looking at ML engineers who are responsible for deploying an endpoint to a, you know, let's say a public site, but they're not aware that maybe the way they're deploying it you know, they, they put secrets in the code or, or whatever. And that's kind of what this is about, is it is about marrying of traditional information security principles and this new technology, machine learning. So in terms of evading a model, I mean, what that looks like is basically you have a model that is responsible for taking an input and making a decision based on that input. So the classic example is images, but... You know, if you think about an authentication system, you know, where it uses your face, you know, Windows Hello, maybe there is a different face that would also work on it. So evading a model is basically just giving an input such that you get the output that you want. So in a traditional information security sense, it'd be like bypassing a malware classifier, bypassing a spam filter such that you get your fish in. Stealing is <laughs> it's basically turning machine learning on its head. So it's just reflecting the model back at itself. So all you do is you send in, you grab a data set from online. There's a ton of them. For example, like an email data set. So let's say you're doing a spam filter. I did some research like before I got to Microsoft. It was a spam filter. In their email headers, they leaked their spam scores. So you'd send an email in, you'd get one back. And in the headers, it would be like 900. Hmm. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And it was in every email. So what we did is we grabbed big data set of emails, like the Enron data set. And we just sent every single email, every single Enron email through this spam filter. And we collected the email we had already. And then for each email, we just collected the score, right? And then we just trained a local model to mimic the spam filter. And using that, we were able to sort of reverse that spam filter and figure out what words the model thought were bad and what words the model thought were good. And so counterfeit kind of automates that process. It gives you a framework in which you can put all that code into one place and then run that attack. The code we wrote for that particular attack, it was in like, you know, 15 different files. It was several different services. It wasn't pretty or repeatable necessarily. And so counterfeit allows you to sort of aggregate all of the weird code that you might need and allow you to interface some target model with any number of algorithmic attacks, including, you know, model stealing. So I might have got this wrong, Will, but so if the goal is to stop 
adversaries from potentially stealing your model using this technique here where you you'd basically grab a data set throw it at a at a model monitor the output and then go train your own model to mimic that how does counterfeit help protect against that or how does can what kind of information or data does counterfeit output to help you in that in stopping model stealing uh, it, it doesn't Oh, <laughs> counterfeit is an offensive security tool. <laughs> so Got it. Got it. the primary piece being offense drives defense. Got it. So using this tool in that particular way, you can then test, right? In any number of scenarios before you deploy a model, you can scan it. And you after you deploy a model, you can scan it. But you start to develop benchmarks. So in traditional information security, when you have a vulnerability scan, right, you scan the entire network, you get your list of critical, high, medium, low vulnerabilities. You then go start checking, you know, patching, check it, and then you rescan the next month. This is a similar function. So we talked through two of the use cases here, the pen testing and red teaming, and then you just touched on vulnerability scanning. Can you provide a little bit more color on how you intend security professionals to use it for logging? What's the the purpose, the driver behind that use case? Yeah, so logging, going back to security foundations, currently machine learning, a lot of them don't log mm-hmm. or they, they don't explicitly log for the purpose of security. So they'll log telemetry data, they'll log usage data, but that doesn't feed any higher level security processes. So... Counterfeit has logging built in where it will track every input and every output. Just as you would, you would put a a logging mechanism behind a model where you would track every input and every output. So we've built it in here so organizations can get some form of logging during an attack, right? So they could then turn those logs into some sort of detection pipeline, some sort of ability to detect a particular attack. But ideally, organizations would log, right? They're going to be logging anyway. And so I think it, in a lot of ways, it's just about getting machine learning people to start thinking about these security motions in a consistent way. So if you're going to collect logs, do it in a way that's repeatable <laughs> and consistent and gives you the information that you need to, to do whatever you need to do, whether it's you know telemetry data or usage data or, or whatever it is. You know, you talked about a goal for counterfeit to sort of fit the niche of a metasploit and being a popular and, and powerful red teaming tool. What efforts are being made or what's being done to ensure that this doesn't end up being an actual breach toolkit for adversaries? How do you toe that line of making a, a powerful tool for red teams who are ultimately trying to do good and actually, you know, making it easier for adversaries to go out there and evade or, or steal models? I don't have a good answer for you. Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, offense drives defense, right? So we think adversaries are going to be doing this anyway. So in this way, if we can get a tool into people that make it easier for everybody, (laughs) including adversaries, you know, we would hope that organizations would start putting mitigations in place for these things. If they see an uptick in attacks, they should do something about it. If they don't, then great. It's obviously not on the radar of attackers. And I would say currently, it is not really on the radar of attackers. Well, not until this podcast comes out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we're, yeah, I think we're maybe a little ahead of schedule just in terms of what this tool represents. 
And we might have missed the mark completely, right? Like we might be, we don't know if attackers are going to go this route of attacking machine learning. There are certainly new attacks every year that come out. So the trend is up, but I think widespread abuse has yet to be seen, which I guess is the whole point here is to get ahead of that. Let me just recap to make sure I I sort of understand this. So as someone red teaming and penetration testing AI machine learning systems, you had a lot of disparate scripts, a lot of disparate tools, a lot of disparate processes. You needed to bring them all together into a into a single pane of glass to use an overused uh, analogy so you created it first and foremost for you then you realized it would be a powerful tool for for others out there that are that are trying to protect ai machine learning systems through red teaming through as you say offense drives defense can you share any examples of how the the tool either the, the work that you've done in protecting ml systems at microsoft or with customers or other projects do you have any stories you can tell of how that this tool has been used out in the wild and, and some of the things that it's done to help find vulnerabilities help patch gaps yeah what are some of the positive stories or positive outcomes yeah i mean in the wild i don't think so you know it's like when i go back <laughs> to talk to my my like traditional red team peers for them machine learning is still a meme in a lot of ways. So it's like they only hear about it in terms of, you know, they're only being sold it, right? Like they only say it in EDR and it's like, okay, well, we've seen this story a million times. Like two years ago, it was application whitelisting. So it's going to take, I think, a little bit to get on board. But there are a couple of use cases. There's one we did with expense fraud where you would take a receipt and you would change a digit to be more, right? So you would spend 20 bucks, you'd get a receipt for 20 bucks but you'd change the two to three and you would net $10. There, in a lot of systems, there's still like a human in the loop. So a lot of engines will have like a rule that says, if this is below 90% confidence, send it to a human. Otherwise, just trust the machine learning algorithm. There's a number of different NLP models that we've gone through uh, with this where you can you know, make algorithms say racist things or impolite things and you can basically force it to do that nlp is uh, natural language processing mm-hmm. yeah there's also new neurolinguistic programming and i, oh, I think okay. it's natural language processing <laughs> but it's, it's sort of it's sort of the processing of written or spoken word yep yeah exactly so have you i'm sure you might have heard of gpt3 yes OpenAI. we have yeah so there's, there's a couple things there with the like that data set, for example, they pulled everything from the internet, right? And it's like as much public data as they possibly could. But it's like just because it was public doesn't mean it should have been public. So there's a number, um, an amount of PII that you can pull out of GPT-3 that you know organizations might not be aware exists inside the model. A lot of models like will memorize training data, and so you know when you deploy like an NLP model to an endpoint, and you don't realize this, if that model has PII in it, you know, you're kind of exposing it to whoever has access to that endpoint. And that's, that's a new challenge, for sure. It also, you know, if you have PII saved in your model, like it's easy to say a database has PII, this falls within a particular compliance boundary. But when you say this model has PII, where does that fall? Does it fall inside of that same compliance boundary? Security would say yes, but a lot of machine learning data scientists, they're not there yet. And so you, you, know, you might have a model that is deployed 
that is backed by this NLP system where you can pull PII from. And Counterfeit kind of helps automate this and helps me, you know, play and tweak and, you know, figure out what I need to send the model to get the output that I want. How do you coordinate with teams inside Microsoft to build a feedback loop? I'm, I'm assuming you're, as you said, tweaking along the way. And with your findings, you've discovered vulnerabilities or opportunities to evolve the way that we're handling our AI systems. How do you work with teams to better the process? Yeah, it's report writing. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes we reach out, you know, there's a particular service we want to go after. Maybe it has a high impact, a high value to us. You know, maybe there's something that we, we want to do because we think for style points. So, you know, we want to go after that. So we'll reach out and we'll contact the PLC. It's like, hey, we're there's a trustworthy machine learning team. We want to attack your model. We'll give you a report. Other times we go into the Azure website and I just look at all the products that exist and I just provision them into my into our own tenant and attack them from there and then write the report and send it over. So it usually depends. If it's a production system, I usually provision it if I can and go after it that way. If it's not quite there yet or it's you know a high-impact use case, you know, for example, the PII one that we just talked about, we'll work directly with the team and kind of set up an official project. We have like rules of engagement, you know, there's a cadence. And in the end, it's a report that basically states what we did, recommendations that we have, and a, kind of a, a pat on the back and <laughs> good luck. Not good luck, but, you know, reach out if you need anything kind of thing. And I would say, yeah, it's been positive. I, I think it's really difficult to show impact. So in a traditional information security sense, getting domain admin, you know, it's an easy way to show impact. Dumping a database full of PII, you know, it's an easy way to show impact. But, you know, when you kind of change an image to make a dog look like a cat, and then you're like, okay, see, this is possible. <laughs> like it's a harder sell. And it doesn't quite hit home. So, you know, a lot of the work done is really just trying to show impact and give teams just an easy way to see the risks that exist mm -hmm. without having to not dumb it down, but without having to resort to toy examples. So are there folks out there, Will, listening to this podcast, hearing about the counterfeit tool who may not think of themselves as sort of the target audience for this. You know, protecting AI and ML systems is is obviously still very nascent. Red teaming AI and ML systems sounds like even more so. Can you talk to us about some of the types of data scientists, security, ops, folks? What are some of the roles out there of, of people that should be taking a look at counterfeit and sort of thinking about the AI systems that might be in use in their organizations that need to be pen-tested, vulnerability-tested, logged, et cetera, et cetera? Who, who needs to use this tool that maybe doesn't realize they need to use this tool? I mean, really anybody using machine learning. But Microsoft has a mature information security program. A lot of places don't. So what this tool doesn't give is, like, there's no model inventory there's no tracking of assets. There's, there's none of the, those foundational security things that are, that would normally in place, right? Like, how do you know what to vulnerability scan in a traditional environment? Well, you can either scan, right? You can just every internal IP address possible, you know, or you can pull it out of 
an asset inventory, right? Organizations for their models don't even have asset inventories yet. If there is a machine learning person who is wondering, you know, what is possible, you know, with this model, like what can I get it to do? Like those are the kinds of people. And it's just bringing it into their own process, their own machine learning development lifecycle and saying at the end of this, I'm going to scan and see, see what's there. Or maybe they're the ones responsible for deploying models to a public endpoint. And they're like, you know what, let's see what this thing kicks out, right? Like, let's, let's see what counterfeit comes up with. We'll just point counterfeit. And if something falls out, like we'll deal with it then. But I don't know. From the security side, anytime you mention machine learning to security people, uh, they it, math, like that, they just don't want to talk to you because they assume machine learning <laughs> means math. And in a lot of ways, math it, hard. it does. Yeah. <laughs> and I, to be fair, was maybe one of those people in the beginning. But I have always enjoyed like numbers and data and things like that. So this is kind of a, in some ways, a dream, right, for me because that's the things that I'm interested in. But I would say if there is an interest in data and numbers and watching what comes out, like it is a rabbit hole that just doesn't end, <laughs> right? Like you can think of, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, like attacks are, are just like this, like attackers need feedback, right? To, to be successful. And machine learning models the same way. It's like you input data, you get output, and then you in the middle, there's some inference. There's some like black box that you have to like wonder what happens. And so I think in a lot of ways, security people are already think that way. So for counterfeit, like if you have an AV product that you want to bypass, if you have a spam filter you want to bypass, like figure out how these these algorithms that you know researchers built that you can use in your ops. And you'll find that. Fortunately, that all the math is done for you and, and all you have to do is get your data in the right format and just let the math take care of itself. I wonder if you should make up some t-shirts or some stickers that say like, you know, just counterfeit it. Like, should we verb, <laughs> should we verb that noun and like put it all over Black Hat Conference and RSA and yeah. get, all the, get all the SecOps folks out there, just, uh, just point counterfeit at it and see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny. Is, so the spam filter attack that I mentioned earlier, the reason it's called counterfeit is because it is a like a model stealing piece. So I think in some libraries, like to fit a model is the term. So mm -hmm. it's like to counterfeit is to steal it. Very clever. I think you're you're neck and neck with uh, Cyber Battle Sim for <laughs> coolest uh, ML tool name uh, to come out in the, of, of Microsoft. Will Pierce, thank you so much for joining us on Security Unlocked today. Before we wrap, before we let you go, tell us where our listeners can go to learn more about this project and or potentially follow you on the interwebs. You can go to, to get the tool, go to github.com, whack Azure, whack counterfeit. And there is, I highly recommend the wiki and Docker and or Ubuntu. Or if you're brave, you can install it on Windows. And I am on Twitter at Moo Hacks, which is... Moo is in M-O-O -O or M-U? What's Moo uh, M-O-O. -O. I can't remember if I have the underscore. I might get I have Moo Hacks. All right. What will we find if we follow you on Twitter? Or is that an NSFW question? No, it's mostly uh, machine learning things. Well, it's a good mix, I think. Machine learning and uh, cybersecurity research that I like. Sounds good. All right. Well, Will Pierce, once again, thanks for being on Security Unlocked. Yeah, thank you very much. 
Well, we had a great time unlocking insights into security from research to artificial intelligence. Keep an eye out for our next episode. And don't forget to tweet us at MSFT Security or email us at securityunlocked at microsoft.com with topics you'd like to hear on a future episode. Until then, stay safe. Stay secure. This week on the Microsoft Threat Intelligence Podcast, we're talking scumbots with Paul Melson. Believe me, you're going to want to hear this. Be sure to listen in and follow us at msthreatintelpodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.